Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I'm Lauren and this is Liam. Hello. Big thank you to everyone watching and a huge thank you especially to our live viewers. If you are watching us live, we will be going over the super chats, but we're just going to be waiting until kind of after the stream has mostly ended. So about an hour into the show, we're going to be going over everything you guys send in. Just please be on your best behavior because I tend not to read them before I actually start saying them. There's a lot of trust going on in this relationship here. All right, but uh, it's going to be a fun show. We're starting off with a review slash discussion of Charlie's Angels. I actually did go see it. Um, brave. Yeah, I, I, I have a lot to say about it. Then we're going to be doing a discussion about the concept of self-identification that we see progressives kind of being at war with themselves over when it comes to how to handle race, how to handle gender. Are they the same? No, maybe. Uh, then we're going to be discussing ISIS returnees. What do we do with them? According to Canada and Germany, just welcome with open arms, no problem. And finally, we're going to be finishing off with Chick-fil-A, their, their flip-flopping adventure. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, before we get started, though, I do just have a quick message from our awesome sponsor, Patriot Penguin. Are you sick and tired, because I know I am, of overpriced greeting cards that don't say what you really want to say? For years, Americans have been stuck in the greeting card section, reading sappy fake messages that are frankly weak. They sound like, a lot of the time, they were written by Beto's speechwriter, and we mean that in the most negative, defamatory way possible. Uh, those days are over, though, thanks to Patriot Penguin, the first and only greeting card company for conservatives with a bigly sense of humor. From birthdays to the holidays, Patriot Penguin has a huge absolutely huge selection of greeting cards that will trigger your snowflake friends and relatives, plus remind the like-minded that you are totally winning. The holidays are coming up. Whether your family agrees with you politically or not, these are just fun greeting cards. All their cards are designed and printed in the good old USA and ship free. So important. Um, go to makegreetingcardsgreatagain.com right now and save 15% with the offer code Lauren. Remember, you must place your order by December 15th to guarantee arrival before Christmas. So let's make giving greeting cards great again with patriot penguin that's make greeting cards great again.com make greeting cards great again.com offer code lauren all right so charlie's angels uh new charlie's angels movie was released this past weekend we did a video about woke media and i mentioned it i actually didn't know it was going to be releasing as as soon as it was um but there you go um it was a reboot frankly no one was asking for who wanted this movie I, like, were there fans of the original or, like, the Mick G. Cameron Diaz movies going, please, we need another one of this movies. We need we need more of, like, this trio of crime-fighting people. I don't think so. Like, we have a lot of reboots going on. Wasn't hearing a lot about Charlie's Angels. Um, so now the movie is out. It has not done, done well financially or critically. Um, we're going to be talking about some of the divisive comments the director and writer Elizabeth Banks made trying to blame men for this, what's looking to be a colossal failure, failure. But I did want to start this segment off first with an actual review of the movie, because I've noticed that a lot of people in the commentariat who have been doing videos about this haven't actually seen it. But I did. I, I, I watched it. I took that bullet for all of you guys. So you wouldn't have to. One of the apparently few people who actually has gone to see the movie um it's bad it is exactly as bad as people were saying and here's the thing even if a movie is woke i don't think that necessarily means that it's it's bad right i think i know you disagree with yeah, me on I disagree. this i have to disagree i just i'm just tired of the political propaganda I know. and i think I that it's just generally their worldview is so shallow that it just comes out as a pathetic script. Yeah, you know, I, I would agree a lot. I mean, but here's the thing. Carnival Row. I think that's an example where 
the writing isn't great. And I think a lot of that is because it tries to make the like modern allegories between immigration working to the show too ham-fisted and heavy-handed. Like there's no nuance yeah. in it. But at the same time, I was still entertained. Right? It's entertaining. Okay, you know, yeah, I guess you could be entertained, but I can't say that Carnival Row is a good yeah, show. Yeah, that's not I, good either. I was either. entertained by it in the, in the sense that like a swine is entertained by, I don't know. Mud. Mud, exactly. Yeah. Like, the, like it's a very basic level of entertainment. Well, it's actually, not like I'm watching something that's, that's something else I want to touch on. Great. Even if something is not the best writing ever, I can still kind of be entertained by it. Like before I went into watching this Charlie's Angels, the new one, I went back and I rewatched the two G ones with Cameron Diaz, Drew, Barry, Drew Barrymore, and Lucy Liu. Those are like objectively cheesy, not the best writing, but I still like them. Like they're still fun. They're still entertain entertaining with like action movies like that. That's really all I'm looking for. So uh, the point I'm trying to make is that I'm not I'm not a tough movie critic. And you you say that I'm too forgiving with movies that uh, I like I too many movies, do. right? But even with that being said, this was not good. This was just not a good movie. Um, I don't necessarily care if a movie is woke. I don't necessarily care if a movie is a masterpiece. But it, sh it should be entertaining. This was shockingly bad, okay? Not enough action to be an action film. Not nearly enough comedy to be a comedy. Um, not not enough intrigue to be a thriller. So it, it just... It just is. Um, it's a movie. I, I don't know what else there is to say about that. The writing specifically is quite awful. Uh, you can tell it's trying to be funny. I mean, I, I could have surmised that just by the trailer. The, the trailer. Like yeah, the trailer the was like bad. super cringe. Uh, there's a few of them that are out like that. I could tell, like as much as I, I like, I grew up in the generation of Sonic, for example. Yeah. I could tell you that that movie is, even though they redesigned Sonic, it's going to be awful because what they decided to put in the commercial in the same time, the same thing they did with Charlie's Angel was like, wow, this is going to be awful. Yeah. Awful. If this is what you think is the wit, the good. Like this the is good what you're using portions, to sell us. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like, and mm. I mean, it's it's sad because I usually find Elizabeth Banks pretty funny. I mean, she was kind of part of Pitch Perfect. I think she's a funny person. I don't know what happened here. Uh, maybe part of the problem was Kristen Stewart. Because the thing is, in this movie, you know, there's the three angels and each of them have kind of like different characters. You have the science one, the serious one. Weirdly enough, Kristen Stewart's character is the comic relief. She is like the funny angel. Yikes. If your movie is banking on the comedic performance of Kristen Stewart, I, I feel like you you've done something wrong. Something has happened. Uh, you need to re rethink it because it was it was awkward. There there were several times like I was uncomfortable watching it. One of the lines, and I kid you not, was um, Hamburg. Weirdly enough, not where hamburgers were invented. That's Frankfurt, where Frankfurters were not invented. But I'm. Yikes! That's yeah. like uh, no, some Big Bang like line. Worse, no, know? worse even. And and there's another part in the movie where, um, Kristen Stewart's character needs to cause a distraction because you know they're doing secret agent stuff. Her big distraction and funny thing, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I can't, I can't wait to do this," is to literally just like start dancing around and hooting like a monkey. Yeah, that's that's pretty childish. It was painful. It was I was uncomfortable watching this. Um. Stakes of the film also don't feel particularly high. Like, even if they fail at the mis mission they're they're trying to do, it's like, eh. Like, it's not, it's not a big deal. I mean, I guess some people would be killed because they're essentially trying to get a weapon. But, I mean, there are other ways to kill people, so it's not like that's a huge deal anyway. I felt no connection to the characters. Um, none of them, save for Naomi Scott's character, was particularly likable. The person who played um, 
Jasmine in the Aladdin movie. Well, isn't that one thing I find about most feminist characters is that they're they're not likable. No, they're, they're always not they're very confrontational. They have a, a huge chip, chip on, on their shoulder. shoulder. Yeah. They're trying to like like always one up all the men around them and just be super super annoying all the time. You yeah. Know? And then and then everybody cows to it in the movies. It just it's yeah. That's that's a lot so about cringe. what yeah. this was. I mean, yes, yeah. and what I'm not meaning to hold up the 2000s. Charlie's Angels, like the symbol of what's amazing, because like I said, objectively, that's a movie that has its problems. But at least the three of them, the three angels, like liked each other. They got along with each other. They were joking with each other. I have never seen so little chemistry from a set of actors as in this movie. Like it was like watching cousins try to make out with each other. Like that's how awful it was just for, for everybody. It was not a good experience. Um, I don't understand what led to the casting decisions that went into this movie. Women. Uh, that's what I like. They were like apparently oh, women, uh, mostly non, non-white. The one who's not yeah. white is, is gay. And like, I don't have a problem with that if it's still a good movie, but, but this really was not. So at the end of the day, if I, as the audience, after watching two hours of your movie, don't care about the plot, don't care about the characters. They could have all died, failed, um, you know, just everything go wrong to them. And I would have been like, okay. It's just, I'm I'm even having, I saw it, what is it, Tuesday or Monday, and I'm having trouble remembering what even happened. So if you saw it, if you didn't see it on Tuesday, that's a tragedy. Yeah. It's cheapy Tuesdays, right? Mm. So any, any negative review I think this film has, it is earned um there's just so much wokeness in this movie too again like that's not why i'm saying it was bad it was just a bad movie but if you're going to be woke there are better ways to do it than in when the film starts out there's actually this little montage of women doing things um not even women or characters who are like in the film but there's just random women it looks like stock footage i'm not kidding this is a serious thing it looks like a tampon commercial of just like women laughing doing physical things outdoors as the music plays and that's how the film opens up and i was so confused it's like do we know these people like is there an ad in this movie did they not get enough financing yeah. that's Very like a, strange. the hillary clinton's gutsy women book sort of yeah. thing you know it's, it's like, like what's like, happening please yeah, like if, if you want to like show a women's empowerment thing then like that's what the movie is for you don't need to have a unconnected montage it's just weird decision to include that and of course you know you have the the one guy in the film who tells tells a woman to smile yeah that's the worst. Yeah. Um, and like the, the bad guy is some businessman who, of course, ignores his uh, women of color that work for him and only cares about profit because he's a bad guy. Capitalism bad. It's just like it's, it's just bad writing. Like everything about this movie was not I love good. That too. It's like, oh, this bad, evil, rich man. It's all coming from these Hollywood elite liberals. Right? I know. Rolling we're super money <laughs> and, and angry that people aren't buying tickets to this movie because they're that privileged that they think that just by virtue of them putting out a movie and the people women, have to that see people it. have to see it. Right? Well, it's, actually, yeah, that's right. what I want to talk about now is that the, despite all of these weaknesses that I think are kind of objective, like I know entertainment in a, in a lot of ways is like. I like this movie. You yeah. didn't like that movie. That's okay. We could disagree. I, no, this is this is bad. This was bad. I feel like if you were actually in a film school and you just handed in this film, people would be like, all right, no. Like, no. No. Um, so even to, before the movie was released, we actually had Elizabeth Banks, I think, like doing interviews, um, telling people that if the movie failed, it would essentially be men's fault, um, which of course was just endearing. To, to so many audiences, um, audience members, sorry. Here we have an article from Fox. 
Elizabeth Banks suggests her Charlie's Angels box office bomb is because men don't go see female-led action. And I, what I love about this article is that it's kind of shady in like a passive-aggressive way, which is the best kind of shady when it comes from the news. Um, this person writes, Elizabeth Banks suggested that the reason her Charlie's Angels reboot failed to make a splash at the box office opening weekend was that men don't go see women do action movies. Charlie's Angels lost its wings over the weekend, earning just $8.6 while the racing drama Ford v. Ferrari topped the box office with a $31 million debut, and the war film Midway came in second. Banks, who wrote, produced, directed, and starred as Bosley in the reboot, which is like a lot of ways to be attached to such a, an awful yeah. film, I feel kind of bad for her, hinted to the Herald Sun prior to the film's release that a form of sexism from a male-dominated audience may be to blame for its current lack of financial success. Look, people have to buy tickets to this movie, too. This movie has to make money, Banks told The Sun. If this movie doesn't make money, it reinforces a stereotype in Hollywood that men don't go see women do action movies. The Hunger Games actress seemed to dismiss the box office success of Captain Marvel, the Brie Larson-led Marvel film that earned $1.1 worldwide earlier this year, as well as Wonder Woman, um, because they belong to a male genre. Um, they'll go and see a comic book movie with Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel because that's a male genre, Banks explained. So even though those are movies about women, they put them in the context of feeding the larger comic book world. So it's all about, yes, you're watching a Wonder Woman movie, but we're setting up three other characters or we're setting up Justice League. Okay, that in of itself I have a problem with because, okay, those are male genres because it's action. Then what is, right, what exactly. genre movie are you trying to make then? Even like, I didn't know from watching it. It sounds like she didn't know either. So I'm not surprised it came out the way that it did. I don't think there was any, like, clear vision of, like, yes, you know, this is the vibe I want to get. This is how I want to make people feel. Just feminism. That's the guiding force. And also, what does, like, aren't these feminists supposed to be against things like male genres? Like, yeah. isn't, isn't action supposed to be for everybody? Wait, hang on. And... Like, all of those feminist journalists said that women love comic book characters and it's just as many women who read right, them. Of course, so exactly. And, and right at the start sense. of this movie, you said that they have a, a five minute clip sort of of just yeah. these women doing random things that men do. So, so why won't they watch your movie then if it's, if it's geared towards well, them and we all watch it at the same rate. And actually this whole idea of like, obviously, um, you know, rom-coms going to have a, no, primarily no. female audience uh if it's an action movie should be you know, primarily no audience if you ask me but that's yes. not fair some of them are okay uh, but um midnight's edge which is a youtube channel that does like media videos about different fandoms i was watching one of the their videos about this and apparently they, they broke it down based on revenue rambo the new rambo movie that's out more women went to go see that movie Kind of like the most quintessentially masculine movie you can imagine. Rambo. I think it's like Rambo Last Blood or something. More women went to go see that movie than this movie. That's funny. So it's like, I feel like you have more problems here than just like a, some sort of like gender stereotyping or imbalance yeah. with movie genre. Like maybe this is just a bad movie. Um, anyway, she she continued in that interview. By the way, I'm happy for those characters to have box office success box office success but we need more women's voices supported with money because that's the power the power is in the money she's not wrong um and here's the shade i was talking about comparatively the first charlie's angels film which starred drew barrymore cameron diaz and lucy Liu, made a 40 million dollar box office weekend debut in 20 in 2000 and the sequel charlie's angels full throttle grossed 37 million in 2003 
On Monday, Banks addressed the movie's flop, tweeting, Well, if you're going to have a flop, make sure your name is on it at least four times. I'm proud of Charlie's Angels and happy it's in the world. Um, and I love that that's included in there because it is important. I feel like, you know, we saw this with Black Panther, Captain Marvel. Some people are under the impression we saw it with uh, Lily Singh's thing, too, like that women or non-white people in entertainment has like never happened. Like, yes. I think they yeah. think we're in the 50s again. Um there are tons of female-led action movies that do really well. Captain Marvel, of course. The other Charlie's Angels movies even did like, really well. Like the, Salt, uh, you know. Those ones are like, are like, yeah, some of them have their, their modern stuff. But ones like years and years ago in the 80s and, and 90s, yeah. things like Alien, you know. Some, yeah, some exactly. Quintessential, really Terminator, good female, heck. Ter, like the original Terminators, they, it wasn't like a cringy role like they just did with the last movie. Yeah. It was actually like believable, right? And it wasn't like And just people liked them feminism. because they were, yeah, they were strong female strong characters who happen to be female right. rather than just I'm a feminist character with short hair come watch me because women like no that's not that's not a good enough reason there are other things people can choose to see and clearly they are choosing to go see um so I don't know if you guys watched the last video we did about going going as it go woke get woke go broke um we can add Charlie's Angels to that list apparently and also like by the way what, like, what kind of marketing strategy was this? Because if I'm, like, an investor or a producer and I'm, like, thinking, who should I give my money to to make a movie, something that will hopefully lead to return for me, I'm not going to give any money to someone who's going to be, like, bad-mouthing literally half the audience yeah. before the film has even launched. That just seems like a really dumb thing to do. I don't... Well, half the population, but probably more than half the audience. Because I think she's right. Men will go see action movies more than women, right? Yeah. And those original Charlie's Angels, I think that... It, I, it was probably filmed a little bit more with the male yeah. in mind, right? Like, uh, there's probably eye candy. That's probably oh, a yeah. huge no, that's, reason why. That is was, a huge yeah. run. That, that's the thing. When you watch the early 2000s Charlie's Angels, I mean, Drew Barrymore and Cameron Diaz, like, they're just like, they're using their looks all the time. They have, they're fighting in like stiletto heels. It's kind of like, it's the most, is the least realistic thing ever. But oh, another thing that kind of frustrated me in that was that. In the previous Charlie's Angels movies, they're they're beating men up who are like five times their size, but it's it's done in this sort of like over the top kung fu way. Like you know, they have like the wires on them. They're doing the like over the top ba bouncing yeah. around and stuff like that. So it's like obviously it's not a serious action movie, but in this one, it's like it is. It's like do you really? expect us to believe in a movie that's apparently as serious as this one because i haven't laughed once that these girls are just kicking the butts of security guards like five yeah. times i mean you can make it. it fun and what's quentin tarantino's movies there um with, kill bill well, kill bill like kill yeah. bill one and two like, you, like there are ways that you funny, can make it yeah. work right i mean but obviously the way that they're doing it there is it's like, are you, are you trying to play it off seriously? Because that's yeah. what I don't understand. Like, if you're going to be like this completely unrealistic action movie, just do it. Just go for it. You can have anyone kicking. Like, the other Charlie's Angels, okay, they're a, a, a truck goes off the side of a bridge and there's like a helicopter in the back. And as the truck is falling, they climb into the helicopter on the back and manage to take it off like at, before it falls down. So, I mean, that's the kind of, like, lack of realism we're dealing with. But it works. It can be campy. I don't know what was going on with this movie. Uh, but anyway, uh, another issue with the whole marketing vibe they were trying to do with this was that um, the director, Elizabeth Banks, she was going around kind of trying to downplay and upplay Kristen Stewart's character's gayness. So if you've mm. watched the movie... Um, there's one scene in particular where Kristen Stewart kind of flirts with another girl. But she's not... I mean, it, it, depending, you could interpret that as her being gay or not. 
And apparently Elizabeth Banks saw it the same way. Uh, NBC News reported that Kristen Stewart's character in the highly anticipated, I don't, I don't know if any of that's accurate, <laughs> in the Charlie's Angels movie reboot is definitely gay Elizabeth Banks, the film's writer, producer, and director recently confirmed after previously refusing to put a label on the character's sexuality. I don't feel there's a label that fits her, Banks said of the character in a September interview with Digital Spy. The only thing that was important to me was to not label it as anything. It's fine if the media wants to label it, I think that's okay, but I didn't do that. Banks, however, backtracked on these comments in a recent interview with Pride Source. Huh, it's funny, like when the gay people ask, apparently she's, yeah, super gay. <laughs> Weird. Um... I mean, she, Kristen Stewart, wanted to begin the movie, and I'm like, yeah, Banks said. I just wanted to make sure that she was able to present a character that she was fully behind. Banks added that she wrote a moment in the script in which Stewart flirts with another woman, woman, and that she was all for Stewart presenting herself as queer in the movie. Um, Aren't those different things? Queer I don't know. Gay? Yeah, yeah, they are. Because like, right? I mean, there are. I don't know. Letters. I don't know what they mean at this point anymore or if they always mean the same thing or not. It's just, yeah, it is whatever, um, you know, the activists want it to mean. That is what that character is. Maybe she's a little bit non-binary. Who knows? But ultimately, the tips for filmmakers that I have is that just make a good movie. Then, like, market your movie as a good movie. Tell us, you know, about the characters. Are the action scenes really moving? Like, what is the, the selling point? Don't make a woke movie with no considerations for quality and then like market adjust based on wokeness and try to sell it that way because the media likes to pretend that all of this diversity and representation is like this huge draw for audiences. It's really not. I'm not saying that it's a negative thing. I'm not saying that it can be part of a really great movie, but if that's all you're giving us, it's not enough. And I think there's been enough movies fail trying to, I don't know, just write off of that. The yeah. most recent one being the Terminator one. It's just, it's not a good idea. And I don't know how many more times we need to see this happen before studios and directors themselves are just like, all right, maybe we give this a break because people aren't super into it. Yeah, we're seeing it not just in the movie industry too, but, you know, yeah. there was Gillette and other things like that where they, when they just market explicitly and only off wokeness, it doesn't seem to actually pan out for most companies. No, because it's not. Because, like, people still want to see a good movie. They still want a, I don't know, a good shaving product. It's just, It's not enough. You're not selling people ideologies here. Um, and another takeaway I want is that even the people who are woke, you're not going to please them. It, that, that's ultimately another reason why it's stupid, because we have this article from the Mary Sue, which if you don't know, is this like ugh, super progressive version of um, what is it like comics entertainment? Uh, they didn't like it either, but for different reasons. Um, this person says in responding to the idea that people didn't see Charlie's Angels because it was not a like male franchise this writer says i'm not saying that there isn't a correlation but charlie's angels is also much a male genre franchise it was created by men and filmed largely within the male gaze just because there were women on the team doesn't inherently make it a feminist series so her problem is that it wasn't woke enough She's, she adds, plus, I feel like Banks didn't understand how her film failed to target different women, mainly queer women. She says, Banks cast two women of color and an openly queer actress to be the leads in Charlie's Angels, and on paper, that sounds really good. Except that women of color have been longing for more diversity in terms of skin tone, so casting two lighter skin slash mixed race actresses isn't groundbreaking in a Hollywood system that overwhelmingly leans that way when it comes to women of color. Kristen Stewart's character is gay, and we get one moment of her making eyes at a woman, but we do get two full flirting sequences between Ella Belinska's Jane Cano and Nora Centineo 
Joe's character, Langston. Okay, so here we go. Not dark enough now, not gay enough. She continues to make a feminist incarnation of Charlie's Angels. We need more body diversity with curvy bodies and fat women getting their spaces in the beauty industry and as fashion icons. It makes no sense to me for a film that leans into wish fulfillment and fan service elements to not understand this was necessary. Uh, she finishes by saying it also doesn't help at all that of the real diversity of body type and skin tone came at the very end. So these are the people that you're trying to please with all of this woke virtue signaling. Understand it's not going to work even if you wanted to. All right, so we, before we continue on to our next segment, uh, I just want to tell you really quickly about another sponsor, Black Rifle Coffee Company. They're someone who I'm sure you guys have heard of heard of by now. They're huge on social media. They're a veteran-owned and operated premium, small-batch, roast-to-order coffee company for people who love America. They import only the highest quality beans from around the world and always roast to order their coffees for you after you place your order. So they make sure that you get the freshest coffee available. They develop their explosive roast profiles with the same mission focus they learned as military members serving the country all black rifle coffee company blends are available in whole bean and ground varieties and guys here's the thing the odds are you're buying coffee every week right you're going to the store you're spending money on this why not spend money on a brand that supports your values that um you know supports the country that is committed to hiring veterans and that sends coffee their product to troops who are deployed overseas regularly the best way to enjoy this freedom-filled coffee is with black rifle coffee club you choose the amount and the blends that you crave and they offer it to you at a special discounted price ship free directly to your home or office every single month so wake up to America's Coffee by going to blackriflecoffee.com slash Lauren. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash Lauren. Enter the discount code Lauren and you get 20% off your first order of any coffee products, including Black Rifle Coffee Club. And actually, we're going to be going into uh, um, the Chick-fil-A story about how important it is to support brands that you can get behind. And that absolutely ap applies to Patriot Penguin and Black Rifle Coffee. All right, so now we're going to be talking about self-identification, which if you don't know, it's this idea progressives have where if you if you feel like something, you are that something. You can self-identify however you want. So they believe this strongly when it comes to gender. Gender is whatever you feel. We've heard that before. But there seems to be some back and forth now over whether this should apply to race specifically. Okay, and we're seeing this in the UK. We have this article from the Daily Mail says anyone should be allowed to identify as black regardless of the color of their skin or background, says university leaders. The universities and colleges union has set out its stance in a report on the ongoing row about whether men should be able to self-identify as women and be treated as female regardless of their anatomy. The UCU's position statement did not just stand by its support for self-identification of gender, but also insisted people can choose their own race, saying our rules commit us to ending all forms of discrimination, bigotry, and stereotyping. UCU has a long history of enabling members to self-identify whether that is being black, disabled, LGBT+, uh, or women. All right, so recognizing self-defined women as fully female is deeply controversial among many feminists and others. Theresa May's government considered changing the law to allow people to choose their own gender, but ministers have put plans. All right, so government's not doing that. Uh, many female academics say they have faced harassment from students and activists for questioning trans-inclusive policies, and several high-profile female speakers, including Jermaine Greer, um, have been no platform from university debates for their refusal to accept that anyone who says they are a woman must be accepted 
as female. But the union's position on race was last night mocked as the latest nonsensical demonstration of woke thinking imported from university campuses in the U.S. Uh, Kathleen Stock, a professor of philosophy at Sussex University and UCU member, last night questioned the union's position on race, saying it was nonsensical, anti-intellectual propaganda. The UCU is led by Joe Grady, a lecturer at Sheffield University Management School. A union spokesperson confirmed that the UCU considers it is up to individuals to choose if they wish to be recognized as black. All right. So uh, there are some things you get to determine about yourself, of course. Uh, you know, your politics, your religion, you that is you get to decide whatever you're most comfortable with for sure. There are other things though that are not really up to individual interpretation. I would say race is one of those things and I would say gender is another one of those things. Um it would be very easy for the school to make I guess unbiased objective standards for both of these things right when it comes to race they could say hey what racial heritage do you have therefore it's not it's not really about what you feel is what you are you could say to the best of your knowledge what racial groups do either of your parents have or belong to if you wanted to say oh but that leads the door open to like the one one drop rule that that's not okay you could just say you could set a percentage there because that is how race works you could say what racial groups can you attribute at least 25% of your heritage to? Or, here's a crazy thought, you, you could just treat students equally regardless of race, right? Because I think it's important for us to remember, like, when they're asking about these things in universities, specifically race, a lot of the times it is for things like affirmative action. Same thing with something like gender, uh, which doesn't really make sense because women are the majority of graduates now. But yeah, if you are a woman applying to some sort of STEM field, that will give you an advantage. Uh, why don't we save all of us this headache now and just make it so that we treat everybody, I don't know, equally, regardless of our immutable characteristics? Um, yeah, but now obviously we have this debate. Should race be up to self-identification like gender? I don't think we've settled the debate over whether gender should be up to self-identification at all. And it's interesting because before there used to be a distinction that even progressives would make, hey, hey, you know, uh, sex being female, that's biological. We admit that. But something like gender, that's social constructs. That's what you feel. That's that people can decide themselves. But now, as you can see from the article, we're talking about whether by identifying as a female, you will, sorry, whether by identifying as a woman, you will get to be treated as a female. So now we're giving any and all considerations of being biologically female to someone who just feels like a woman. So we're talking about changing rooms. I'm guessing we're also talking about something like sports. And this is where I'm afraid people do need to kind of stand up for the definition of words because race is biological, sex also biological. But for some reason, we've kind of stumbled down the slippery slope where both of them are being treated as social constructs, which is just not how things have ever traditionally been. And I think, you know, there's always that person that says, why not? Why can't we just, you know, let people identify however they want? Because then it leads to things like this, where people be ab being able to self-identify as black and people being able to just call themselves a woman and, and stroll, stroll into a female changing room. There is a reason why... Less so with race, because I don't think universities should be asking that. With sex, definitely, there's a reason why it even mattered in the first place. Um, and actually, that brings us to something that the ACLU recently tweeted out that I, I want to talk about, because people were going back and forth about this online. They recently put out a tweet saying, There's no one way to be a man. 
Men who get their periods are men. Men who get pregnant and give birth are men. Trans and non-binary men belong. Hashtag International Men's Day. So I think you know, you can see where this is going, why people had a problem with this. Um, men cannot get periods, right? They they can't. Um, to, to say that they have is kind of chipping away at any possible meaning of what it is to be a man. Some people, however, left-leaning people, as I'm sure you can probably guess, didn't get why why some people had an issue with this tweet. Um, people were saying, but trans men are biologically female, so it's only scientific to acknowledge that, yes, they do get periods. Um, there's a big difference between saying this person who was born female but now says they feel like a man gets a period and kind of doing some super duper extrapolation to get to men get periods, which is what they said. They didn't even, they didn't say trans men get periods. They said men get periods. Um, I am completely for treating people um, with respect and all of that. And, you know, like if there's a trans individual, I really, I want what's best for them. I don't support any cruelty or harassment or anything like that. Um, but if we get to the point where we're so accommodating of this minuscule, right, minor, less than one, minute, less than one percent um, portion of the population that we start kind of changing the meaning of words entirely, like that, that doesn't make sense. And you can have it both ways. You can, um, you know, respect trans people's uh, right to live their life however they want, but still acknowledge that words have meanings, right? And then that men don't get periods. And I, I think if I were a trans person, I wouldn't really, I wouldn't care if anyone said that men don't get periods because I know I'm, I have a special situation and it, it just doesn't apply to me. That's okay. Um, but of course now we're being told that that's bigotry. Ultimately, I, I think this is an, another issue where progressives have kind of backed themselves into a corner if they admit that, hey, it's not just about self-identification when it comes to race. I, I think they do open the door to having that discussion about gender, and I would love to feel bad for them because I'm sure it's an awkward position to be in as a, as a university administrator, but they should have never embraced this type of thing to begin with. And this is what you get for trying to introduce this relativism to what should be a very, very straightforward topic. Um, all right, so next up we have ISIS returnees. I don't know if you guys remember this, but a while ago we did a whole whole segment on the ISIS bride. So that are those are women who went over to the Middle East with the intention of joining ISIS, marrying ISIS members, but now because ISIS has been almost entirely defeated, want to come back, rejoin the countries. Of course, they're very sorry, uh, totally regret what they did isn't that convenient. So a lot of countries are debating whether to revoke citizenship of these people. I think the UK has done that. They've decided that. I'm sorry. Joining ISIS, like that is, I think it's safe to say treason. Like I would get why someone w would say that it is. Uh, there's one ISIS bride in particular, Shamima Begum, Begum, hope I'm saying that right, who has been denied re-entry into the UK. She's still trying to fight it, but it's not looking good for her. If you're Canadian, though, as Prime Minister Justin Blackface Trudeau has proudly let the world know, if we're not paying off terrorists, uh, terrorists with taxpayer dollars here in Canada, we like to just welcome back into the country, you know, slap on the wrist, we call it good. I wish I was joking, but I'm really not. And to demonstrate that, we have this one article from Global News that is disappointing but not surprising. It said, Toronto, Toronto man who tried to join ISIS released from prison. 
A Toronto man convicted of traveling to Turkey to join the so-called Islamic State has been released from prison four months after he was sentenced, an official said Wednesday. Pamir Hakim Zadah was charged with terrorism in April 2017, following what the RCMP, which is, I guess, the Canadian equivalent of the FBI, called an extensive national security investigation. He pleaded guilty in February 2019. He has now been freed from maximum security prison in Ontario, um, said a spokesperson for the Ontario Ministry of the Solicitor General. The 30-year-old, who allegedly told the witness that all non-Muslims should be killed, must now serve three years probation, during which time he must participate in de-radicalization. He is also prohibited from possessing a firearm for three years, cannot obtain a passport, and must undergo psychotherapy and meet weekly with an imam from the Risala Foundation. In February, the Parole Board of Canada said another Ontario man convicted of traveling to Syria to join a terrorist group was about to be released despite concerns he remained a risk. So here we have someone who we are still concerned about being a terrorist, but we're letting them go anyway. Kevin Omar Mohammed was sentenced to four and a half years in October 2017, but with time served taken into account was scheduled for release on March 1st, 2019. The latest case comes amid debate over whether, whether the government should bring back Jack Letts, a British-born Canadian, back to Canada and prosecute him after the UK revoked his citizenship. Okay, so now we have like not one, but two, possibly three people who are going to be coming back to Canada after joining or trying to join ISIS. And apparently the Canadian government is just, again, giving them slaps on the wrist. Um, I am very much for the rule of law, but I also strongly believe in the concept of redemption. Um, you know, if, if you, I don't believe that, let's say drugs should be completely legalized, but I definitely don't think they should be criminalized. I don't think you should be sentenced to rot for years in a room by yourself, especially if you haven't hurt anybody. Um, you know, I, I think that criminal justice reform is very, very necessary. Um, I, I think we should be making more use of things like community service and counseling rather than just sending everyone away, locking them up to become further radicalized. And even when it comes to illegal immigration, um, I, I would say that in those cases, leave and then try to come back the right way, like uh, apply, go through the system. What I'm trying to say is I am not like this severe, unforgiving person. Absolutely not. I, I don't think a society can function unless there's some chance at redemption. However, when it comes to, like, literally ISIS, I think governments need to take a stronger stand than, like, what, two years? Two years. That's nothing. That That's absolutely nothing. Uh, I'm sorry, two years and some probation. Like, so what? We we have this debate going on in Western countries over whether Western values even exist. Um, you know, some people, myself included, very much want there to be a values test associated with immigrating. Um, you know, so we're not talking about just whether immigration is legal or illegal. We need to be talking about numbers and values, make sure these people are compatible. In response to that, some people say, but there's no such thing as Western values. How would we even quantify that? I disagree there's no such thing, but let's say even with the broadest interpretation of what values we should accept in our society, not joining ISIS has got to be up there. I'm struggling to like, imagine what kind of culture, what kind of country cannot even at the bare minimum say that if you attempted to join ISIS, if you were part of ISIS, we do not want you, right? I mean, I don't think that's too much to ask. I think that's being pretty dang lenient. Uh, 
Canada's government, though, disagrees, uh, which is, again, disappointing, but not surprising. I think it would be very hard for the Trudeau government to do anything that would surprise me at this point. Um, I guess on the brighter side of things, because misery does love company, at least this problem is not exclusive to Canada because we always have Germany standing right there being equally ridiculous. Um, From Germany, uh, this is an article I saw shared by Andy No on Twitter. Apparently, German government is saying don't panic over Islamic State returnees arrival, which automatically sounds like an amazing thing. This article says a family of seven German Islamists arrived in Berlin on Thursday after the Turkish Interior Ministry announced earlier this week that it would start deportations of captured Islamic State state supporters. There are no German arrest warrants for the family of German-Iraqi Canon B, meaning they will be free to return to their homes in the central government state of Lower Saxony, though under police observation. According to Turkish authorities, Canon B tried to travel to Syria with his family about a year ago, but it's not known if he arrived. The family, consisting of two parents, two adult children, plus three minors, have been in custody in the Turkish city of Izmir since March. You know that it's good when even Turkey is trying to deport you for extremism. Like, that's that's how you know that this is someone you want in your country. German authorities said they do not believe Canon B's family ever joined the Islamic State, but that he was simply part of the Salafist spectrum. Guys, no big deal. Just part of a Salafist spectrum, which means the family members are thought to observe a particularly conservative interpretation of Islam. Armin Schuster, the interior policy spokesman for Angela Merkel's Christian Democratic Union, insisted that the German returnees were not serious cases and warned against media-fueled hysteria. They did not take part in the fighting, he told the... German word radio station. They won't be sent to prison, but they have to be kept under surveillance. He added that the cases would be thoroughly addressed and that such procedures were routine for German security forces. How often does that mean this happens, though? Like, is this a regular thing where you have a lot of your citizens being exported from other countries because they've tried to join ISIS? Like, it's happened so much. You have an established protocol. I don't know if that's meant to actually reassure reassure people. 95 German suspected IS supporters are believed to be in custody in Turkey, Syria, or Iraq. German police have active investigations against 33 of them, and arrest warrants have been issued in 26 cases. Meanwhile, dozens of Islamic State members have already faced court in Germany after voluntarily returning, and even those against whom there is no evidence of actual crimes are usually put under surveillance. Thomas Muki, founder and head of the Violence Prevention Network, said it is possible to de-radicalize IS returnees, as it is with any extremists, and that his organization has visited several in prison. We have had experiences with 36 IS returnees, he, he told DW, with young people, we can do a lot. Okay, so here's the thing. I think you guys might remember that a few years ago, when we were talking about the possibility of migrants um, having affiliations or sympathies for ISIS, that was called xenophobic fear-mongering. I made videos about this years ago and I was called all types of things. So now the narrative have shifted to has shifted to it's not it's not racist to question whether the, some people might have sympathies to ISIS because now we actually have examples of former ISIS members trying to return. So so now the line they're feeding us is instead of don't be crazy, they don't support ISIS, it's don't be crazy guys, they weren't actually fighting. Right. That this is the line that the German people are being felt like, don't worry, guys, it's not that serious. They weren't actually fighting. So, I mean, we're just we're just we're only dealing with people who philosophically align themselves with ISIS. So it's, it's not that bad. No need to freak out. Um, 
this is a problem. I I feel very, very bad for people in Germany and for people in Canada who I think will feel a lot less safe after knowing that this is how their governments handle these types of cases. Um, if, if we can't even disavow people who have joined literal ISIS, I, I don't know what, what hope there is for the future of these countries. But in any case, our, our final segment is, of course, Chick-fil-A. We did a whole video previously, it was maybe a few weeks ago, um, looking at the organizations that Chick-fil-A actually donated to. This was after the Chick-fil-A in Toronto opened up. There were these huge protests. It turns out um, Chick-fil-A doesn't donate to homophobic hate groups unless you conflate Christian charities with being homophobic hate groups, not because they refuse to serve gay people or anything like that, but because they believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. Okay, so if, if, if you believe that merely having that, that thought, that opinion automatically makes any charity service you do bigoted and homophobic, then I, I guess you, you're someone who didn't like Chick-fil-A. But other than that, I, I do think that a lot of the, the controversy surrounding Chick-fil-A was totally overblown. So despite activists harping on them, though, spreading all types of lies about them and the type of philanthropies they supported, um, Chick-fil-A did grow eventually to be one of the largest change in the country. Um, this week, though, they confused a lot of people by seemingly denouncing the charities that they had previously supported, places like the Salvation Army. As the National Review wrote, Chick-fil-A to end donations to Christian charities after LGBT backlash. Chick-fil-A said Monday that it has stopped donating to several Christian organizations after receiving backlash from LGBT rights activists over the last several weeks. There's no question we know that as we go into new markets, we need to be clear about who we are, Chick-fil-A president and chief operating officer Tim Tassipolis told BizNow. There are lots of articles and newscasts about Chick-fil-A and we thought we needed to be clear about our message. Chick-fil-A has a long history of being on the receiving end of criticism from LGBT rights groups. In March, the San Antonio City Council took steps to effectively ban Chick-fil-A from San Antonio's airport after the company donated $2 million to the Christian charities it no longer supports. When there is a tension, we want to make sure we're being clear. We think this is going to be helpful, Tisopolis said of the company's decision to pull its support from the charities. It's just the right thing to be do, to be clear, caring, and supportive, and do it in the community. Um, so when this was announced, a lot of people, myself included, criticized them for it. Um, and when conservatives were criticizing Chick-fil-A for what they believed was a bad business decision, I saw... A lot of leftists with rainbow flags in their usernames calling them snowflakes, calling people like me snowflakes for saying, I don't know about this Chick-fil-A. And it's like, are, are you kidding? Citing, criticizing a business decision is not the same as trying to ban Chick-fil-A from places, from protesting outside of, of their businesses, um, from shaming people for eating there, just for donating to charities you don't like. So I'm sorry... That side has no right to call anybody a snowflake over anything to do with Chick-fil-A. Not the same thing. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, I do think the move by Chick-fil-A was dumb because the people, I mean, not only do I think that you shouldn't have to explain or be shamed about donating to the Salvation Army, one of the largest charities in the country uh, who serve everybody that comes through their door, regardless of orientation, religion, gender, skin color, anything like that. But also the, the people that they're trying to appease here, these LGBT activists who are becoming like the boogeymen for businesses, they're not people who can even be appeased unless you, you fully 
submit to whatever the heck they want to do. And it really it didn't take long until we saw that based on a statement from GLAAD that was released in response to Chick-fil-A ending donations. Um, on Monday, the Daily Wire reported on beloved fast food chain Chick-fil-A putting a stop to their donations to the Christian-based charities deemed anti-LGBT by the left. As one might have predicted, the move was not enough to quell the backlash from activist groups on the left the company was apparently attempting to appease. Powerful LGBT agenda lobby GLAAD posted a statement condemning Chick-fil-A for allegedly still being anti-LGBT. If Chick-fil-A is serious about their pledge to stop holding hands with divisive anti-LGBTQ activists, then further transparency is needed regarding their deep ties to organizations like Focus on the Family, which exists purely to harm LGBTQ people and families, a statement from the organization reads. In addition to refraining refraining from financially supporting anti-LGBTQ organizations, Chick-fil-A still lacks policies to ensure safe workplaces for LGBTQ employees and should unequivocally speak out against the anti-LGBTQ reputation that their brand represents, Glad concludes. So these people, they're not gonna they're not gonna be happy until at the end of the day you have children drag queen in the ads and you're you're giving money to them. Right. That's ultimately what you can do to make sure that they're on your sides. And frankly, anything short of that is not going to be enough. Uh, so so why give in to them in, in the first place? Why to why try to appease the unappeasable and progressives when I and others said essentially that um, they were trying to paint it as like, oh, right wingers don't think you should do the right thing if it's what the, the people you don't like want, which is just such a mischaracterization characterization and goes to show that they really don't understand how conservatives think. No conservative who is criticizing this is thinking, I'm glad they stopped donating to these charities, but I still want to own the libs, right? That's not what's happening here at all. The point is that there is nothing wrong with these charities. The Salvation Army is a perfectly valid charity to give to. Um, they, they shouldn't have to defend their Christian beliefs and they shouldn't be bullied by these people who are never going to be pleased by them anyway. Like that's the point that people are, are trying to make. And, you know, after this was announced among the confusion and disappointment from a lot of conservatives, what was even more confusing is that Chick-fil-A seemingly flip-flopped back on their position. So just, you know, going back and forth. Yes, Christian charities. No, never mind. No Christian charities. Just kidding. Christian charities again, you know, just whatever views are most beneficial at the time, pulling a Mitt Romney, as I like to call it. So, um, oops, I'm not sure I have the actual insert there, but according to the CEO, they weren't going to say at this time whether they were going to permanently hold off from any donations to Christian charities in the future. Um, you know, obviously they're not going to say anti-LGBT because that's the left in left's interpretation, which I think is inaccurate. But I personally would love it if everything wasn't this politicized. Um, if chicken sandwiches could just be chicken sandwiches, if company owners could kind of do whatever they want with their profits as, as they see fit. But as Michael Malice said when I interviewed him, now that it is politicized by these activists, now that these people have made the personal political, conservatives can't just ignore it, right? Um, you know, I, I think this shows cowardice on behalf of Chick-fil-A, but at the same time, I, I think they do need to stick to their original values and say, no, there was nothing wrong with these charities that we were supporting in the first place. Um, 
the thing is, if companies realize that by not totally embracing progressive values, they'll get backlash, but by upsetting conservatives, nothing's going to happen. Who cares about that? What do you think is going to happen to the Overton window, right? If conservatives don't take the time to voice their opinions the same way that the left does to voice theirs all the time, companies are going to start bowing to the only people who apparently matter in the market, who are making a fuss about things. And again, I would love it if it, this wasn't the world that we were living in, but but it is, right? And I, I want to be clear, I still don't care what an owner's personal views are. I think left-wing people should be able to own and operate businesses. Of course, I'm not going to shame someone who goes to a left-wing establishment. But in the case of something, let's say Sprite, when they're very, very clearly pandering to progressive audience and to progressive message. Yeah, I do think it's our responsibility to say something. I'm not saying we need to go as crazy as the people who protest Chick-fil-A's all the time are, but I don't think we can just roll over and kind of forfeit any say in how this culture war is going. Um, and again, just to be clear, the Salvation Army is not a bigoted organization. Um, equating these Christian charities with being anti-LGBT, that's not something any conservative believes, and that's purely their definition. Um, this is a statement that came out from the Salvation Army in light of all this controversy they said, we are saddened to learn that a corporate partner has felt it necessary to divert funding to other hunger, education, and homelessness organizations, areas in which the Salvation Army, as the largest social services provider in the world, is already fully committed. We serve more than 23 million individuals a year, including those in the LGBTQ community. In fact, we believe we are the largest provider of poverty relief to the LGBTQ population. When misinformation is perpetrated without fact, our ability to serve those in need, regardless of sexual orientation, gender identity, religion, or any other factor is at risk. We urge the public to seek the truth before rushing to ill-informed judgment and greatly appreciate those partners and donors who ensure that anyone who needs our help feels safe and comfortable to come through our doors. Um, there's this rumor going around by activists that apparently the Salvation Army let a trans woman freeze to death outside of their doors rather than let her in one of their shelters because she was trans. Absolutely untrue, patently false, that rumor. There's no backing behind it. It has been retracted by the person who originally put it out there, but still it continues to spread. If you see anyone saying that on social media, please correct them. Uh, because like I, I get... I get mad when people spread lies about me and my beliefs, but when it comes to a charity like the Salvation Army, telling people that they would rather let you freeze to death as a trans person than help you, that's actually preventing people from getting help, from getting help that they might need. So I don't know how lying about Christian charities helps them in that case, right? If, if what you really want is to help trans people, I don't see why turning them away, scaring them away from actual help is, is completing your goal. Um, but there you have it. I guess... We'll wait and see whether Chick-fil-A flip-flops back against the Christian charities. I, I really hope that they don't. But I think the message that conservatives, right-wing people, even, you know, people who aren't necessarily on the right, but who are against all of this corporate bullying, the message we should take away from this is that we need to make sure our voices are heard too. Because otherwise, these people, these bullies are just going to control the whole market, which I don't think is what anyone wants. But Aside from that, I think that's pretty much all we have to say for tonight's show. If you are watching live, be sure to stay on this stream because we're going to have a little chat, go through some super chats together. And for everyone else, we will see you next week.